You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Well, good morning, or actually, good afternoon, <laughs> good lunchtime, good whatever time, wherever you're watching this, it is uh, great to be with you in this way. Of course, we miss gathering together physically, but um, I'm just so thankful for technology that we're able to at least connect this way and open up the word together this morning. And so welcome back. If you've been with us for a while, you remember that it feels like it feels like a whole year ago, it was about a month ago, we were in a book of Ephesians, a book, a letter written to a church, an early church in Ephesus, reminding or encouraging them to what they were about. And we didn't actually finish that book. And so here we are, um, going to have a look at continuing it. But let me give you a bit of a recap of what we were discussing just before we stopped. We're talking about this uh, letter to this church in Ephesus that was encouraging us as a church that we don't attend church. The church is not something we consume, that we are not an audience member. Uh, Rather, church is us. We are the church, a movement which God started. It started with a family in a garden, then a family on a boat, then a family that didn't think they could have kids, but God blessed them and they had many descendants and they had a whole nation which became a family that was a nation that God rescued, that God looked after, that God set apart. And then just as you thought it couldn't expand anymore, the family couldn't get any bigger, Jesus comes, breaks down barriers, says, hey, you know those poor people, you know those sinners or those perceived sinners, they're allowed into the family as well. In fact, I've made a way for them to come. I've made a way back to the family table. And so the family got bigger. And uh, as it says in Ephesians 2.19, it says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. And I like uh, the way Jesus puts it, of course, in Matthew 12, and stretching out his hands towards his disciples, his students, those that were around him, he said, Here is my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus calling those with him his family. This is an idea we've explored before, and it's an idea that is right through the Bible and particularly been through this first part of Ephesians. We like to say here, our vision statement at Burley Heads Church of Christ is this, to be an inviting, ever-growing, unifying family table gathered with and around Jesus. Let me say that again. We aim to be this very thing as a church, to be an inviting, ever-growing, unifying family table gathered with and around Jesus. So we were preaching on that. And then COVID happened. And then everything changed. And all of a sudden, this theory, I guess, in a sense that we were looking at, this idea that we could be the church was put into practice. (laughs) Suddenly, we were a church without its Sunday gathering. And as I've said firstly in, in another video, thank you, church, for stepping up, for putting that theory that we were learning into practice and without our Sunday gathering, without a building, in a sense, we were, I've been so encouraged, story after story of our people being the church. So that's where we are right now. We did some COVID 
aimed sermons. We're even linked in with Southport Church of Christ, who, is, who are the church as well, who are our family. And now I want to dive back into Ephesians because I believe the remaining scripture that we haven't covered yet wants to challenge us even further in this season. I believe it's perfect for this season. Um, and so we've changed the title a little. You might remember this, the, the name of this series was Be the Church, a call to move, a call to change. But in this season, that doesn't feel quite right. So we've renamed the end of this series, We the Church. This idea that we've shifted and now we need to be reminded and encouraged to continue to be us, we as the church. So the next few passages actually get really personal. (laughs) And in this uncrowded time, there is actually this opportunity for us as a church to ask some serious questions. This could lead to personal transformation as we're invited into a deeper space. Let me read the passage this morning. It comes from Ephesians 6.20 or Ephesians 5.22. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. His body and him is himself its saviour. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without a spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy without blemish, in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. But as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. And the two should become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. If you've been in church long enough, (laughs) you'll know that this is a pretty, actually a pretty controversial passage, (laughs) to say the least. And so first thing to note, first thing before we dive into this, is this verse, like a few in the Bible, often gets tacked onto people's own preference, own agenda, own bias, own philosophy. Someone thinks a certain way, so they hunt down the Bible for a bit that they can use as almost a weapon. And they totally forget the context in which it's actually said. For instance, if you hate Christianity, if you're not a Christian, if you're anti it, you could use this verse or bits of it to say Christian men are oppressive. It's not true. It's not what it's saying. If you were tempted as a male to make this about control and you were trying to control your household, even abuse, then you could use this verse to justify your abuse or control. Not true. Not what it says. 
If you were legalistic, you could have a field day trying to apply this verse to every aspect of your life, trying to apply it to your workplace, to church functions, rather than in the context that the writer intended. So let me give you that context. And let's remind ourselves of what the writer actually wants to say through this book. So for starters, if you lived in the time of when this letter was written, it was a known fact that men would pray and thank God for one thing first and foremost. (laughs) In their prayer, they'd thank God that they weren't born a woman. (laughs) That's a fact. Men of that time would pray and in the start of their prayer, they'd say, thank you, God, I'm not a woman. Women were seen slightly above possessions in that time. Women had no rights. Men often, it was very common to have side mistresses. Men did not treat women with respect. Um, Jesus himself gets into serious trouble because he keeps respecting women. (laughs) The religious hated it. So when Paul stands up and addresses or, or gives this letter to a church, guess who in the church is getting a bit uncomfortable? As Paul would say this out loud to his his community, guess who's likely to start having a bit of a uh, tantrum, murmuring under their breath? He gets up in that context and says this, husband, love love your wives as Christ loved the church. Love your wives as your own bodies. In saying, treat her like a person, treat her as an equal, not the same, mind you, men and females are different, but treat her with respect. Give up your life for her. And this doesn't mean just take a bullet. Give up your career if needed, your dreams, your ambitions. Put them to the side. Sacrifice them in order to see her flourish. Champion your wife. Can you imagine the men grumbling at that time? Fireworks, storming out, walking out of church. How dare he ask us that? What a message. And so given in its context... You can understand how progressive, how insanely liberating, and how divine this teaching was in this time. Today, though, this message is sadly needed just as much. During the COVID-19 season that we're in, within Australia, there's been a 75% increase in domestic violence issues. I'll say that again. In this season within Australia, there's been a 75% increase in domestic violence issues. And even pre-COVID-19, Gold Coast is one of the worst places and offenders of domestic violence. Now, it's a complex issue and we're not going to try to solve it in this sermon. But research shows domestic violence is, yeah, complex. Um, And I'm not going to diagnose it in a couple of sentences, but most research suggests in broad strokes that men are desperate in this season, desperately searching for identity. More than ever, they place their manhood in false sense of control, in career, in riches, in false promises, in their house, in their lawn, in their toys. Which, of course, as we know, uh, moths, not roths, moths and rust destroy. 
and these promises fall short. And in a toxic combination, because then women and families are the ones taking the brunt of this disappointment and stress. You add alcohol and drugs to that and we have a real problem. A really real problem. Statistically speaking, we are likely to have some form of domestic abuse or manipulation within our own church family, statistically speaking. Whether it's domestic abuse or you're simply struggling as a married unit, getting frustrated at your roles in marriage and getting frustrated at the world around you letting you down, whatever it looks like, the incredible thing this morning is if you read this passage in its context as discussed, this amazing ancient wisdom inviting us to be the church at home speaks directly to this. It invites us. Think about this for a moment. It asks us as couples to submit to God first and then each other. It says, it actually is pretty direct with women. It says to submit. And then it's even more direct to the men as it says submit because you've got to be willing to give up your life as Christ does the church. <laughs> Christ gave up his life to see the church grow and flourish. It encourages us men. Can I speak to men at the moment as knowing more about that than women? <laughs> men, rest in God's work alone, God's plans alone, God's purpose alone. His plan may include you failing in a human way because God wants to shape you through that. A man and woman's job, a marriage, is not to squeeze everything you want out of each other or to use each other to meet an end, but to give out of an endless supply that God provides, championing each other's growth. This can be hard because it's op- it's the opposite of what the world tells us. Hollywood tells Hollywood tells that we are to complete each other, and if not each other, we should both be uh, giving each other <laughs> um, or helping each other get that thing that we want that will complete us: the account balance, the job, uh, whatever it is. But this whole book, the Bible, and this book of Ephesians tells us that God will complete us. Resting in that leaves us to be able to have fun together and journey this exciting adventure within marriage and within family. To give freely because God has given everything. To submit because God gave his life up for us to have new life. Here's the key, though. This only works if you let God into your marriage. 40 billion church services are useless if we can't get around each other and allow God to work in our marriages, 
and in our families and in us. Let me say that again. The whole church service is useless if we're not letting God into our lives, our marriages, our families, and in us. You see, you could be sitting there and going, I'm not married, Steve. <laughs> um, or you may have lost, um, you may have lost someone. Um, I don't know your exact scenario. You may not be, you may be too young to be married. So how does this apply to you? Well, you don't get off scot-free today (laughs) because this book is wider than that. Ephesians, this part of Ephesians is about encouraging the church to be unified, to be growing, to be fully formed, to be mature and centered on Jesus. So Paul is just not talking to just married couples. He's saying everyone, we're moving in the private territory now. He says to be the church fully, it's going to start behind closed doors. Church starts behind closed doors. Paul is going in deep. He's saying transformation The church starts behind your closed door. See, Paul talks about marriage and then he goes on to talk about children, children's and workers and bosses, all within the next few passages. Paul starts to say, hey, 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 behind closed doors, in your private life, those in your direct family or close friend sphere, the maturity of Christ begins. This is risky. This is super uncomfortable. And if you're not uncomfortable with that, then it's quite possible you haven't let it sink in. See, anyone on the planet can sit in a pew, can consume a Sunday, can critique. Anyone can have an opinion on a sermon, maybe a song, maybe the flavor of morning tea, maybe the Sunday school program, maybe the clothes people are wearing. That is so easy. That's so basic. (laughs) But suddenly moving the focus off the show and saying, hey, the heartbeat of our movement, the maturity, the growth starts within our private lives, our apprenticeship, our disciple ship to Jesus starts there. That's a bit harder. (laughs) The way you speak to your wife or husband or children or close friend or neighbor. The things no one sees. The dark insecurities, the anger you put on others, the addictions, the anxiety, your hurt, your need for control, your language, your self-control, the breakups that have happened within your family unit the harsh words with friends, the passive-aggressive comments, the gossip. That's actually where God wants to start, where God wants to work. These are the things God wants to crack open. There's this passage that talks about God standing at the door and knocking. And somehow within churches, we've got this idea that he wants to come and live in your heart and sit on a beanbag and never do anything in there. (laughs) I don't know. Eat popcorn, watch a movie in your heart. No, if you let him in, he wants to move you. He wants to change you. He wants to transform you. He wants to take the darkness and redeem it. He's got plans for you. If you want to let the spirit in, 
it's tempting to say to that, I'll be right, thanks. <laughs> I'd rather not. Let me just keep putting on my nice dress or suit and attend Sunday, please. And you can, that's your choice. This is an invitation this morning, in this moment. You can leave God completely out of your personal life. And all I can promise is that you'll miss out. What God wants to do in you and in us. You see, this isn't a guilt sermon because we've all sinned. We've likely all said things to partners, to kids, to close friends that were broken. I know I have. We've all got disconnections with loved ones. We've all made mistakes. Paul isn't writing this to say, bad you, feel bad. (laughs) He is saying, what would it look like if you let God deal with that? What would it look like if you let God transform that? To have small families or tables that were inviting, accepting, ever-growing, unifying and gathered on the hope and ways of Jesus. Imagine if you had 50 of them. (laughs) What a massive family. Forget rallies, forget events, forget tracks, forget large groups for a second. Although fun and have their place. If we as a church use this time to become more transformed, to let God even more deeper, to become more peaceful, more generous, more loving, more submissive to God's control, if we let it work within us as individuals, as we let it stir and break and fix things within our marriage, our families and our small tables, we'd actually have no trouble with how we'd actually, the only trouble we'd have is how many people want to know more about our movement, about our big wide family. John 13, 35 says exactly this. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, students, apprentice, if you love one another. So that's just an intro. This morning, Mez is actually going to continue digging into this next week. But I guess there's an invitation there this oh, this morning, this afternoon, tonight, whenever you're watching this. That's what we're about as a church. That's what the Bible has asked us to be as a church. And this is where we're heading. This is where we're aiming Would you like to join us in that? We have the season for it. We have the uncrowded moment as we spoke about a few weeks ago. Do you want to start digging deeper, letting God and a trusted few in and seeing your private lives, your home, (laughs) be the start, the forming of the church? It's your choice. If you'd like to reach out and let God in even deeper, if you'd like to deal with some dark stuff that's been coming up in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in your friendship group, if you'd like to join a smaller group to encourage and spur and journey together, then that is 100% what we are about, especially in this season and furthermore. Reach out to us, email, phone, Facebook, however you want to, and let's have a chat and let's talk about that deeper.
So here are some questions if you're sitting and watching. I know we can have 10 in a home at the moment. If you're sitting there with others or you're going to call someone after or you're going to do a Zoom call, catch up with coffee with someone this week. Here are three questions to ask yourself upon a reflection of this verse. What does it look like to crack open your private life to Christ? What does it look like to open your home to God? Your marriage, your close relationships, your friendship group, what does it look like for God to stir in that? What does it look like to allow the spirit into the deep, uncharted areas? Like a missionary going to the ends of the world, what does it look like to be a missionary to those places that you haven't wanted to let God into? And what's it look like for you to repent in this season and seek restoration and a new beginning? Let me pray. And um, yeah, I hope you have a great week. And uh, yeah, let me pray first. Father, you want to get personal. You're not interested in the show. You're not interested. That doesn't work, Father. That's not what you invited us into. That's not what you speak about through the Bible, Lord, and so we want to go deeper, Father. Father, stir within us this morning. Stir within us our relationships. Stir within our family units. Stir within our friendship groups. Stir within our small tables, Lord. And let's see this season have a sense of renewal sense of restoration and allow the church in this reflective uncrowded season to come back stronger in their homes stronger in their personal lives and then of course stronger together be with us this week in Jesus Christ's name Amen